So when we did our systematic review, like we saw that most people just said, well, we just we did PDSA and that was the intervention that got us from here to here. Mm. And you're like, but what did you do? <laughs> you know? like, didn't do PDSA. Like, you know, you must have t- changed things and learned from things and mm. yeah. Hi everyone, and a big warm welcome to this very first Making the Difference podcast. My name's Harriet Vickers, I work for BMJ Quality, I produce audio and video for them, and I'm actually really excited that every couple of weeks I'm going to get to bring you projects and ideas from the world of quality improvement. We've decided to call this podcast Making the Difference because I'll be talking to doctors and other healthcare professionals about how they've actually gone about improving care for their patients and exploring the the ideas and the techniques behind making change happen. Hopefully we're going to inspire you to go out and make healthcare better where you work. To kick us off in this first episode, I'm taking a look at Plan, Do, Study, Act cycles or PDSA cycles. They're the method behind many quality improvement projects. They're basically what they say on the tin. They're a kind of trial and learning approach, which gets you to outline a plan for your change, one that you will do in practice. You then study the results and act on those results. So in essence, you're feeding the learning from each test into the next. So first question, why are they popular and what are the benefits of using them? I'm very lucky in the BMJ office because I'm surrounded by quality improvement experts. So I stuck a microphone in front of a few of them to see what they thought. Keep going until... Yeah, we just keep... Yeah. You, just, you just keep asking me some questions. <laughs> okay, uh, BMJ quality, we, um, we, well, we sort of encourage people to use PDSI cycles in their projects. Yeah. We have lots of information in our workbooks about them. Why yeah. is that? Why do you think PDSA cycles are a good way of doing quality improvement? What's great about them is it allows you to do multiple interventions over time um, and really work out which intervention affected that change. Doing PDSA cycles where you may do one intervention, do the plan, do study, act and see what impact that made, do a second intervention, do a third intervention, do a fourth intervention, allows you to really see what made the difference and that's the one you want to keep sustainable. What's cool about them is the way they enable managers and supervisors to empower their frontline staff to be the ones who actually make changes. And the way they do this is by uh, restricting any single change to a small population and to a small part of a process um, and regularly placing those opportunities for that process change to be reviewed and analysed. And therefore, you only ever end up scaling up the ones that have a positive impact. Okay, so it's quite low risk then? It's kind of hard to stuff up? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. That, that, and that, that's precisely it. It's the, the scope for you to ever have some kind of wide-scale negative impact is massively reduced. Jen, tell me, what is good about PDSA cycles? So the great thing about PDSA cycles is that you can involve different multidisciplinary team members in them and patients as well. This is really important because these different team members and patients will have different perspectives on why certain problems are occurring and they will also be able to support each other in the design and implementation of change ideas. This engagement is really key to projects being rolled out successfully. So far PDSA cycles sound pretty straightforward and simple don't they? But as I'm sure you know, healthcare isn't usually straightforward or simple. 
and applying PDSA cycles to problems can be complex and involve multiple challenges. Getting them right is something that Julie Reid is an expert in. She's Deputy Director and Academic Lead for Clark Northwest London, so her job is basically studying translating evidence into practice. She's co-authored a paper on PDSA cycles for BMJ's Quality and Safety Journal. So I went along to Chelsea and Westminster Hospital to meet her, to ask about the common mistakes that people make and how to avoid them. A mistake that people can make is that PDSA is a standalone tool, whereas actually it's part of a whole suite of methods. Understanding how it fits with those methods is really important. So in terms of the other methods, I think there's a lot that can go on beforehand and particularly around framing the problem to make sure you really understand what it is that you're trying to tackle before you start doing PDSA. Um, And so this could include things such as stakeholder analysis or patient engagement um, to understand what different people think and what their perspectives are. Obviously, the first three questions of the model for improvement are really fundamental in terms of what do you want to achieve and how will you know that change is an improvement. I'm going to jump in here to explain that a bit further. The model for improvement is a framework for quality improvement that PDSA cycles are part of. Doing PDSA cycles is the second bit of it. And the first bit is asking yourself three questions. What are we trying to achieve? How will we know that a change is actually an improvement? And what are the changes that would make an improvement? Using tools such as process mapping to really understand the area that you're working in before you try and come up with an intervention idea. Um, You may want to use other methods such as failure modes effect analysis to understand, uh, you know, where the problems are or where you think you can have the biggest gain from actually making a change. Um, And really importantly, think about how you'll measure if there's any difference. So coming up with a measure definitions and defining all of those so that um, when you start actually testing your change you really understand the problem you understand different people's perspectives of the problem and hopefully you'll have some baseline data um, that you've already collected to that helps you further understand the problem that you're addressing but also means once you start making a change you actually have a way of measuring for the study phase to see if you've made any difference. What are the other pitfalls that people can fall into with this? I mean, you've written a whole paper on this, which yeah. is why we're, we're really here. So what are the other problems and how do people get around them? For me, some of the really interesting problems come when you actually start doing the PDSAs. Um, and this is often people uh, can invest a lot of time in planning and coming up with really good ideas. But when they actually go and test them, they often uh, discover that there are lots of other problems that they hadn't anticipated. We often talk about this as an exploding PDSA, that you try and uh, go in with your intervention and you realise that your intervention can't work because maybe it's dependent on three or four other issues in your care processes that you need to make work. So for a real risk point is where people don't recognise that then they need to go and conduct different um PDSA cycles, or sometimes the problems they face may be out of their sphere of influence. So as an example, we've um, seen projects where they were looking at implementing a new um, form to streamline one of their care processes. They just uncovered a really big cultural issue where the doctors and the nurses were not getting on very well. At that point, it was really important that this kind of junior member of staff needed to seek support and guidance from more senior members of the team in order to um, ensure that 
they could overcome these issues. Um, but as we've also seen much uh, more simple breakdowns of where PDSA doesn't work or hasn't been used effectively. Um, so, for example, one of the very first uh, projects I worked with on PDSA, they had an intervention that they were testing and they were very good at collecting data. So for six months, they collected data. And after six months, for a number of reasons, we realised that they'd never looked at the data they were collecting. And so they were all really optimistic that it, the project was doing really well and they'd done a really good job. Um, but when we looked at the data with them after six months, they um, hadn't shown any change in their data. And so obviously that was really demoralising for the team. But when we asked them, you know, why they hadn't looked at it, they were like, oh, we've been so busy. And you're like, oh, okay. And I think, yeah, it reflects the real challenge, I think, in healthcare that people are so used to kind of this culture of being busy and do, do, do. Okay, yeah, so it's just one step in four that people get stuck in. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely, cool. yeah. So th- those are some really um, nice examples. Mm-hmm. If you could sum everything up, if someone was going into their first quality improvement project and they were thinking about using PDSA cycles, yeah. what be your kind of top tips? What do you think people should yeah. bear in mind? Yeah, um, so great question. I think the first thing is, as I said already, is make sure that you do sufficient planning before you go into your PDSA. Um, but equally, there's a balance. Don't get stuck in planning paralysis. You can't know everything or resolve everything before you start. Um, but as soon as you start having conversations around um, or debates um, around, well, will this work? Won't it work? I'm not sure. Like, And you may have some discussions with your colleagues around what to do. Well, that's normally a perfect time to start doing a PDSA. Um, and it doesn't mean that that's the change that you're going to make forever it means well if that's an idea and people are unsure about it or there are two or three different ideas well is it feasible to go and do a PDSA and make it as small as possible because it sounds like there's uncertainty around what's happening or even if people are really confident in the idea you can never fully anticipate everything that's going to happen so starting as small as possible Secondly, I would say is really, um, yeah, be really clear what you're hoping to learn from the test. Um, and you may have a very specific objective um, that you want to learn about, but you should also be open to any learning that you weren't expecting, because often the PDSA, the best things that we get from a PDSA, we never predicted we'd learn about. So the unexpected the events or the unexpected attitudes or responses that you might get from different people as you're testing the PDSAs in practice. Okay, so to wrap all of that up, make sure you understand the problem before you start making changes and use other tools to help with this. But once you've got an aim and ideas, get going. Be open to what your PDSA cycles may throw up and get extra support if you need it. And yeah, look at your data. Here are some final words of wisdom from Julie. So the most important thing to remember is that PDSA helps you learn. And so that needs to be the primary intention of every PDSA cycle that you conduct. PDSA isn't a magic bullet on its own, but it will help you understand what's happening um, and help you adapt and respond to the learning that you get as you're using your PDSA cycles. So for every PDSA cycle, you should be really clear about what are you hoping to learn. Um, And that should be the driving force for how you're designing the PDSA, thinking how quickly you can learn what you're hoping to learn um, and how you're going to use that information to drive action. 
Sometimes the learning that you get may be disappointing. You may find out that there are lots of other factors that influence your projects that you can't um, solve, or it may um, tell you that the intervention idea that you had isn't going to work. So PDSA in itself can't guarantee the success of your project, but it can hopefully make all of your efforts as efficient as possible by um, maximising the learning you get and minimising any effort that you might invest chasing things, problems that can't be solved or testing interventions that aren't going to work in the long term. So that for me is the key um, power of the PDSA is to accelerate our learning and help us move more quickly to areas that we can improve and to deliver improvements. Okay, great. So it's it's a useful tool, understand it, exploit it, but don't expect that you can chuck it at a problem and just get a solution. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Julie, thanks very much. That's that's all really useful and helpful. I've certainly learned a lot. So, yeah, thanks for letting us come in and pick your brain. Yeah, no worries. Thank you very much for having me. If you want even more of Julie's advice on PDSA cycles and quality improvement, you can take a look at her paper. It's free to access. It's called The Problem with Plan, Do, Study, Act Cycles. And there's a link on this episode's SoundCloud page. She's actually going to be at the International Forum on Quality and Safety in Healthcare next week. That's in Gothenburg. So if you are around, make sure you check out her talks. And a quick word about BMJ Quality before I go. This is BMJ's platform, which takes you step by step through your quality improvement project. It's got loads of resources to help you, such as mentors, online modules, videos and blogs. You can write your project up as you go along and then submit it to our journal. It's at quality.bmj.com. Go and take a look. If you've made it this far, brilliant. And it would be really good to hear from you if you have any thoughts on this podcast. I'm hvickers at bmj.com. If you want even more of Making the Difference, well, lucky you, because the next episode is up already. It's called Mistakes Were Made and looks at all things incident reporting. After that, we'll be posting an episode every other week. If you don't want to miss any, make sure you subscribe. Bye for now.